As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. With Bruce Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping, to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of Las Vegas where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about but may be afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on its time. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, UFC, film, politics, President Trump. It's all in the news, folks, and we're going to discuss it all. But before we get there, I'm here with my co-host, TJ DeSantis. TJ, how are you? I'm great, Buff. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. And we have a very special guest on the show. We're going to bring him at the top of the show because he deserves to be the first person on the show at the first time that we talk on the show. None other than Michael. Maverick, Kiesa. Michael, how are you? Doing really good, Bruce. Just uh, hanging out in the hotel room in Abu Dhabi at the moment. Uh, enjoying the win from last Saturday. Yeah, last Saturday's a big win. Before we get into that, I mean, you you do the show last Saturday. We're over there in North, uh, excuse me, North Carolina. Great show. Awesome. Your performance was amazing. We'll go into it. But uh, then you head out to Abu Dhabi. So uh, is this a cash grab, money grab, appearance fee? What's going on over there? Well, uh, I'm getting a little bit of an appearance fee, but I mean, the main reason is my teammate, Austin Arnett, um, he's a UFC veteran. He's fighting on a show over here called UAE Warriors. And oh, really? um, yeah, he's got a fight over here this Friday. So, uh, you know, I might have got the win this last Saturday, but to me, you know, it's uh, we still got work to do. You know, he's one of my best friends. He's my teammate. And, uh, you know, I'm here to support him and it won't be a mission accomplished until we go get a win for him this Friday. So, you know. To me, I just feel like I'm I'm still at fight week. I'm still just kind of moseying around a new city and a new place and just kind of hanging out in my hotel room and helping him train and get ready. And the only difference is I don't have to cut weight, so I've just been eating a lot of food. <laughs> well, there's plenty of that to do over there, plus a little of the, the other stuff, good drinks, everything else. But Abu Dhabi is an amazing city. I've been there numerous times, last time with the UFC. My only question is, the arena that he'll be fighting in, is it going to be indoors or outdoors? Uh, I haven't found that out yet. I know it's going to be pretty sweet. You know what I mean? Like they put a good production value into this show. I mean, they got like, he's got a big press conference tomorrow. He's got, you know, they got photo shoots, they got all sorts of stuff. So they really put their time and money into this show. Um, and I feel like this is a good, like, this is a good regional circuit for him to get a couple wins, bounce back and get back in the UFC and, and join me again. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I'm really excited. And they're going to do the Wayne's at the Yas Malls. And I, I heard that place is pretty cool. Um, you know, so it's pretty rad, man. And on top of that, you know, it's an opportunity for me to, you know, I'm going to go see the Grand Mosque and, and uh, all those places. So it's just like, 
you know, I'm really soaking this city up. It, it's really, uh, it's really a special place. It is a special place. There's a lot to soak up there. I've had great times there. The, the uh, Yas Mall that you're talking about is amazing. You'll see the outdoor shops where they have amazing prices on really high quality gold and diamonds there. You know, if you've got any girlfriends back home, or girlfriend back home, excuse me, that you want to buy for. <laughs> Pardon me, that. <laughs> and, and, or mom, shall we say. Right. So, we someone yeah, on but, this call clearly has multiple girlfriends. We're not going to say who, but yeah. his initials may be. BB. Hey, he's an, <laughs> he's an ultimate fighter champion. He's a, he's a oh. UFC major contender now in the welterweight section. He's a great looking guy. He's in the prime of his life. Michael, I hope you're having fun. Oh, I'm having a blast, brother. Okay. Hey, hey, Michael. Said right there. <laughs> Michael, is this something you normally do when you uh, get to travel for, you know, fights that aren't necessarily yours? Do you try to get out in the city and mix it up a little bit and, and kind of soak yourself in that environment? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, you know, the one thing that I grew up doing a lot is I'm from a very cultured family. Um, you know, my dad, uh, dual citizen, you know, he's 100% Italian. And, uh, you know, my my grandparents, they live in Mexico City and in, in uh, Camoglia, Italy as well. Um, you know, so, you know, as a kid growing up, I got to go to all these places. You know what I mean? We spent holidays in Mexico City and we went to Italy a few times and we've been in, you know, we traveled to the East coast a lot from Washington. So, you know, that's just kind of like been ingrained in me as I've grown up over the years is just traveling. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm pretty good at getting to a new city, whether it's foreign or not, and just kind of like immersing myself in it. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really accustomed to traveling and getting to explore new places. Like I feel like when I'm like, if I've been home for more than two or three weeks, I get kind of stir crazy. I'm like, well, I feel like I need to leave. I need to go somewhere. It just feels weird to not travel somewhere. So that's one thing I really like to do is just wherever I travel to, you know, it could be even some podunk place like Duluth, Georgia. When we went there in 2013, I'm still going to go walk around and check it out. You know what I mean? But fortunately for me this time, I'm not in some podunk city in the middle of the U.S. I'm in I'm in Abu Dhabi. You know what I mean? So it's pretty cool. You're an actual journeyman and not the fighting kind of journeyman, and that that's pretty rad when your uh, you know cho chosen profession uh, allows you to go around the world. Uh, listen, if anybody can understand that or resemble that remark, it's me. I thoroughly am with you on that, Michael. You got to make the most out of every place you go. It's it's part of the uh, uh, the grand benefits of what we do. You know? Yeah. Oh, I totally agree, hundred percent. That's how you make the most memories. Like. It's like the one thing that was nice about getting to fight in Raleigh, North Carolina is, you know, I've been on this hot streak of fighting in Las Vegas the last few fights, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, all the memories kind of get mashed together, you know what I mean? And so what's cool is when you go to these new places, you make a new set of memories that stand out from the rest and you meet some new people and you make some new friends and you make some new connections and stuff. So uh, it's always good to get out and get to some new places as random as they are and whatever wherever they may be it's always good to go immerse yourself into those types of opportunities absolutely and one thing i learned at a very young age when i was traveling europe at 11 years old my dad instilled this in me is take pictures whenever you can because opportunities of memories especially when you're older looking back you don't want to regret missing an opportunity you know no not at all and thank god for smartphones because it makes yeah. it a lot easier <laughs> i, I got you that i used to have the disposable cameras and the polaroids and just about everything else and now it's pretty convenient you just got a smartphone you can take high quality photos wherever you go so i'm definitely not one that's afraid to take a selfie or a photo here and there 
Well, trust me, young man, I come from the age and days of cameras when we had to unroll the film and put them in the back and make sure we were out <laughs> of the light and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's been a, a hell of an adventure until now with the iPhones it makes everything so simple. Michael, let's get down to what the biggest, one of the biggest nights, if not the biggest night of your fight career. Last Saturday night, fi fighting the number three contender in the very game, very experienced veteran in Rafael Dos Anjos. Um, you were a two to one underdog in this fight. You're fighting at welterweight. You know, you've definitely, you know, you've done the, the shot at the lightweight. Now you're in welterweight. It was an awesome match that showed both your skills, but tremendously showed your skills. I mean, to beat Rafael Dos Anjos the way you did is an amazing achievement in my book. Seriously. Yeah, I appreciate that, Bruce. You know, it took, uh, you know, there was a lot of mental preparation that went into this fight because, uh, you know, I, uh, A, you know, I got a, you know, I'm going against one of the most decorated lightweight champs we've ever had in UFC history. I mean, the guys had an amazing run at lightweight, put together a really good run at welterweight. And, you know, while some people may have said he's been patchy in terms of his wins and losses through his recent stretch, I mean, the only people he's lost to are the best guys. You know, the Kamaru Usmans, the Colby Covingtons, Tony yep. Ferguson, Khabib, yep. guys like that. You know what I mean? So, um you know, so there there were some things that came up in the, in the camp that really made it mentally strenuous. I broke my nose six weeks before the fight. Really? And I actually, yeah, I have the x-rays in the, in the video I can show you. I did it in my, my first hard sparring session in camp was six weeks out from the fight. And I, I ran, basically ran my face into the top of one of my teammates' heads and fractured my nose in two places. So mentally during the camp i really rode the wave you know what i mean because i didn't want to pull out of the fight it's such an opportunity to go from not being ranked to getting to fight a guy that's within the top five i wasn't going to pull out of the fight because it's like i got it this is one of those opportunities where you got to take a chance you know what i mean like some fights you have to take a chance with your health and other things you got to lay something on the line to get the win you know what i mean and just get yourself to the show so you know, it was very mentally challenging camp because it's it's hard enough, you know, getting ready for a fight like that. But to throw that in the mix where it's like, OK, I'm already a two to one underdog. But what the betters don't know is my face is broken. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm making the odds worse in my favor. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, it was it was mentally challenging in terms of my preparation. So when you broke your nose and the doctors take a look at it. You know, obviously, did they warn you, say, hey, listen, Michael, this has got to heal right or we can't let you fight. Was six weeks out an issue for the broken nose? Uh, yeah, it was an issue. It was, um, you know, they basically told me, like, if you're not going to pull out of this fight, you have to, like, you can't be touched for at least four weeks. You know what I mean? So mm. basically what we did is, you know, the nose got broken. I got my x-rays. I kept trying to push my training a little bit. And with each day that passed, like, it didn't hurt as bad. And all of a sudden, anytime someone would barely touch my nose, it would hurt. My my eyes would start watering up. My nose would start bleeding. And it that started getting worse and worse. So I called the doctor again, and they're like, this is why we said you can't get touched. It's not just because your nose is broken. It's when your nose breaks. Once the callus starts beginning to form over those fractures, it's a lot more sensitive. And you need to let those calluses develop and set. And when you're moving your nose is that during that process, that's what makes it worse. So what we did is it was just four weeks of just modified training, not letting my face get touched. So, you know, that's kind of hard to do because as a fighter, yeah, you get your confidence from your hard sparring and your hard wrestling. Like 
that's where you get your confidence is through those really hard practices. Well, I couldn't have those. So four weeks of just really a lot of modified training in the last two weeks of my camp, I had two types of special headgear to wear one for when I wrestle and one for when I box. And it basically just shielded over my whole face and we were able to test my nose out and, and it went pretty good. Um, it rebroke in the fight. So it looks like my, my nose just looks dirty all the time right now. Cause I have these real, this real weird bruising going on, but I did rebreak my nose in the fight. So really I, from a punch, I got, from- uh, yeah. And it wasn't even a big one. It was one when I was in the second round and I kind of had my head beneath between his legs <laughs> and he just kind of threw a short punch underneath and it just caught me on the side of the nose. And like I got it up in between rounds and spit up a big old pile of blood and was like, yeah, I broke my nose again. So. At least and then, I got the win, right? Right, and then for the rest of the fight, you got to breathe through your mouth because you can't breathe through your nose. Did that did that cause an issue for you as far as your your cardio and the and the rest of the fight? I mean, it might have. I mean, I, I'll honestly say, um, you know, when I got up from round two, which you know he broke it again in round two, right. you know, I was pretty tired, man. I remember going back to the stool and sitting down, and uh, you know, with fatigue comes doubt, and you get these weird thoughts in your head, and. Yeah. I sat on the stool and my, my coach gave me the motivational speech of a lifetime. And he was just like, dude, you got five minutes of the rest of your life to just go for it. Like you just like, I know you're tired, but you got to freaking throw punches, get his back to the fence, take his ass down and win this fight. Like I need five minutes of the rest of your life. And I was just like, holy crap. You just like, I could, if I had to hold my breath for that whole five minutes, I think I still could have won that round. Cause I was so fired up. Love your attitude, Michael, and your coach's attitude. That's that's a good coach to get in there. It's it's like Rocky, man. Cut me, Mick. Cut me. I got to go. You know, <laughs> it, it really was, man, because I sat I'm like, you know, I sit down on the stool and he knows me. We've been together for 12 years. You know what I mean? I've had the same coach since I started. Right. You know, he can read me like a book. So I'm sure when I sat on the stool and he could see my body language, he was just like, no, dude, you got five minutes, you know what I mean? Five minutes to just, you got to go for it. You know what I mean? And, and it fired me up and I was able to have my most dominant round of the whole fight. And I, and I got my hand raised. And like I said before, though, as, as great and as glorious as that was, you know what? I still got to get my teammate Austin through this fight before I can really feel like I won. So that, that, that's right part of like- kind of like, it's part of, part of being on a small team, Bruce. I don't, I don't train at American top team or, Greg Jackson's or any of these big super camps, you know what I mean? I'm from a right. small, small team back home. We train out of a, of a triple car garage with wall mats and, and wrestling mats. I love and it. We got a small team of tough guys and I'm the team captain and, and, and I gotta, I gotta be everything that embodies being a team captain. So actually, but that, that kind of ambiance, that kind of an attitude that keeps you hungry. You know, I mean, you're in the land of plush and wealth and, fancy everything right now so enjoy that moment and then you go back to that rocky style of training obviously that's what works for you michael so never stop the wheel that's turning that works for you did you have a doubt in your mind when i was making the uh, announcement at the end of your fight that you might have lost the fight no you know what i mean i i i'm pretty honest with myself when i'm competing like i can tell if i've lost a round you know what i mean it's pretty easy to tell yeah um you know and in, in my team you know if if they'll be honest with me as well. You know what I mean? Like they won't tell me I want around if I fight, if they don't really believe I want around. Right. So, you know, the mentality was, you know, you're down. It's, it's one and one, you know what I mean? So when I got to, when I got to the stool between rounds two and three, it's like, they, they told me you won the first, you lost the second, you got to win the third. So, you know, after that, after, you know, the way the first round felt, 
and how things went the last round, I, I kind of knew I had it in the bag and, uh, you know, but you know, as well as I do, we've seen some bogus decisions in this sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I get the message before anybody and I'm shaking my head inside and it's like, I just the messenger, don't get mad at me. I got to go in. Dana White always said, don't leave it in the hands of the judges. It's one of the most truism statements he's ever made in his life. Michael, you were so up for this fight, obviously to get through the fight and the way you just described and everything you did. But I got to tell you something, you know, I love, the UFC fighters. Okay. You know how much I respect all of you. There are certain yeah. fighters that are a lot of fun to announce. You're, 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 <laughs> you're, you're getting in the top five, Michael. I mean, I <laughs> going like this to me, get over here, make, get me going buff, whatever it was you were doing. I yeah. thought you were going to give me a friendly little headbutt, and you know, it's okay. It's okay. If you do, I've been headbutted before in worse situations. So he, he would have broke your good. nose buffer. You would have had a broken nose. Hey, let me tell you, in all the in all the brawls I've been in in my life, this big Italian schnoz of mine has it's been bloodied, but it's never been broken. Now I'm probably going to break it next week. You know, so, <laughs> Michael, if you can break it, go for it. It'll make great, great TV. Great TV. Hey, you know, Bruce, I'm sure you've heard this a million times, but uh, it's something that why I get so fired up when you when you go to announce my fight, and I've just it's progressively I've gotten more and more into our moment that we have before my fights because I was never like that before it's just kind of progressed into this is you know that all stems from when you're when you're an aspiring guy that's dreaming of becoming something you think of all these little things you manifest all these little scenarios and imagine yourself and in, in the way something sounds the way it looks and you put yourself into that equation and it, you know I might like myself what I'm about to say and I'm sure this applies to a million other guys that are aspiring to be UFC fighters as part of our manifestation and our dream is we always want to know what it's like to have Bruce Buffer say our oh. name for a fight you know what I mean we're always like man I can't wait to someday be in the octagon and have Bruce Buffer announcing my name like that's <laughs> something that us fighters talk about and I've hear other fighters talk about it so it's like you know what you got to get through the butt sniffing stage before we have the intros that we do. Because if I was just some newbie and I was like, yeah, Bruce, get in my face. You'd probably be like, who is this guy? <laughs> you know what? But over the years we've built our friendship and it's like, it's, it's every time is better than the last, you know, you would Thank think you. that like the first time you got to announce my name, that that was the best one. It's like, no, everyone, every last one's the best one. Cause I can actually really, you know, do what I want with it. And I'm telling you, Bruce, I'm not kidding you. That last one that we did, I got really lightheaded after. I don't know what <laughs> I did, but when he turned and walked away, I was like, oh, like it was like I got really lightheaded for a sec. I don't know if I like, I don't know, held my breath too long or something, but whatever well, I, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> I guess what you're saying is I did, I did my job. <laughs> got it going yeah, the way I like dude. to do it. You know what? You're hey, real quick, real quick, real quick before you get away from it, Buff. Have, have you guys seen the broadcast? Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah. I went back and it, it looks so I cool on TV. It was one of those moments where they actually uh, get you in the in the camera frame buffer. And, and yeah, I mean, you said, Michael, that you enjoyed your moment together. You guys really had a moment. Not everyone gets oh, yeah. that exact moment with Bruce. Well, they put a picture no, out of the internet. Don't. It comes with time too, man. Like I said, you can't just be a new guy on the block and like just getting Bruce Buffer's face. I don't really think it works like that. I think you got to kind of earn it. And, you know, each one of these fights are getting more and more intense for me and my emotions are coming out more. And like, there's just something about it, dude. Like these last few fights, I've just like, when you come to, when you come to face off with me, Bruce, I'm like, I'm waving you and like, all right, Bruce, like, 
the team. You're like the you're like the final mechanic in my pit crew. You know, I know you're like neutral to everybody, but I'm like, you know, all the mechanics tuned up the motor, the tires are full and balanced, everything's good. I just need you to put a little bit more racing gas in the tank before you send me out to fucking go. You know what I mean? So like, oh man, it's awesome, man. All, all, I, it's all the, it's it's euphoric. All this flattery is going to make Bruce's head big enough to fit that nose. His nose is going to be small now moving forward. <laughs> I've I've been working on that for a long time. It still hasn't fit yet. But you know, <laughs> listen, all your words, all your kind words. I I'm just humbled by them. I I live for this. Every night is my first night in the octagon to prove myself to you the fighters that that i should be announcing you and every experience we have moving forward is always going to be an experience because it's always about that next night it's the night at hand but your kind words and i just that's what i live for you're motivating me michael and and when you <laughs> you go like this and you wave me into your space because i never want to enter your space unless i know it's cool then trust me yeah. you give me an inch then we're going to take a yard let's make this happen there. Okay. Let's do it, buddy. Hey, let's do it. Get it going. Real quick, moving forward on on Michael's career and and the way that we've seen his evolution, it's been quite an experience, Mike, with with you being on, you know, the only live season of the Ultimate Fighter and the adversity you went through there with the, the passing of your father. Um kind of want to share my personal experience. My father passed away right around that same time and and watching you have success on the outside looking in that, that motivated me just to get through my, you know, mundane uh, life of, of just moving forward and, and, you know, collecting the pieces and getting back to work. And uh, I hope you know that you you inspire a lot of people, people that you don't even, you know, come in contact with on a daily basis. And uh, I hope you're proud of that because what you went through on that show uh, meant, meant a great deal to me and, and a lot of other people, I'm sure, as well. That means well, a lot to me coming through with TJ. And, and it's... Uh... I don't know. And I kind of talk about this. It's something that, you know, it took me a long time to kind of reflect and make sense of it because I mean, you know, as well as I do, if you look at that season and not only just, if you take what I had to go through out of the equation and you just look at the guys that were there, I really wasn't supposed to win that thing. You know what I mean? Looking at the talent that, you know, there was a really lot of tough fighters on that season and there's still guys from that season in the UFC to this day. And, uh, you know, I just have this kind of think I have this kind of a theory on life where I feel like every single one of us human beings on earth has this one in, in ability inside of us that we can channel. And it's to it's something that we're we have the opportunity to not be denied something and you can't use it all the time. I feel like you can only use it once. and Maybe, you know, you're doing it when you're doing it. And some people do it without knowing it. And some people might waste that one opportunity on something stupid like beating a video game or something totally pointless or other people like myself, you know, use it to get myself through one of the toughest fight combat sports seasons on, on earth. You know what I mean? And, uh, I really think that's what it was is I think just deep down inside me, I just was going through this thing where all this grief and these feelings I'm feeling were fueling me to do something great that I just wasn't going to be denied. You know what I mean? I had this idea in my head that, I, I was I, every time, like you said, this was a live season and every time I was getting ready to fight somebody, I just had this thought of my mom at home crying. And I was like, I cannot make her cry anymore. Like I'm like, I have, like, I can, like, I can't do this. You know what I mean? I have to beat this guy because if I don't, I'm going to give, I'm going to make her cry more. You know what I mean? I just, that was the idea in my head that was like, I can't just, just no way I even let these guys win. I can't let her cry anymore. I can't, if I didn't, I, I honestly think, 
things wouldn't have went my way if I wasn't going through what I was going through. And that doesn't mean I wouldn't trade it back. I would give all the success back that I have right now to have my dad for just another day. You know what I mean? And I'm sure you know what that feeling's like, TJ. But, yeah. you know, I can honestly say that that what I was going through with his loss and my grieving, that's what got me through that season and got me to the top of that mountain. You know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing you just said, and I can envision everything you're saying and to share with both you gentlemen regarding fathers. I lost my dad two or three years before you first fought in the UFC, <clears throat> you know, back in, um, I think it was two, th what was your first fight? Your first fight in UFC was uh, the ultimate fighter 2012, 2012, right? I, I lost my dad four years before you. And it's, it's obviously, we never get over that with the close loving relationship I had with my amazing father. And I was so touched by your your speech or however you, you eloquently voiced yourself at the end of your win over Iaquinta. And it's like it lasted with me. And I was writing my book at that time. And I don't know if I ever told you or not, but in my book, I write about you and announcing you and how you did lose your father that night. You're in my book. And you've uh -huh. had an impression. Yeah, no, I, I did that because I was so taken, you know, again, the father-son relationship I have with my dad, who I think about every day of my life and drives me to be the person I am. Um, so I could relate like TJ's relating and I had to talk about it in my book because it was so close. So I think from the first time we met, you've impressed me on many different levels and you continue to do so because I love the way you handle yourself. I think you're very professional. Obviously I'm a big fan of your fighting technique. Yes, we are friends, but I always look at the man, the way he handles himself, not just in the octagon, but outside the octagon. And that's what makes a true role model in this sport. Right. And yeah, you're doing it. You're doing it, Michael. You're definitely doing Thank it. You, and, and with that coming up now that oh, my pleasure, my pleasure, my words are extremely sincere. Um, now you're moving forward. You're probably going to be ranked at least number three in the welterweight division. I would think after this fight, I would hope so. You know, what was yeah. I, what was it? He was number three. So you should be number three. You were number four, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how the rankings shake out. Um, you know, they don't always make sense, but I'm hoping it's a high number. Um, you know, you said, really you, you, you said it, I didn't <laughs> <laughs> going forward though. Uh, you know, the goal is just whatever number they give me is to not fight any guys below that. You know, I'm getting really, I'm in the prime of my career. I'm 32. I'm firing on all cylinders. Um, I'm in the right weight class. I'm just in the right place in life. Um, you know, I got an amazing girlfriend. I got a lot of great things going for me. Um, in and outside of fighting. So the best thing I always say is just no backward steps. You know what I mean? So really, I'm just putting my best foot forward. And um, I just want to fight guys that are ranked ahead of me. And, you know, my goal right now for the year is to end 2020 as the number one contender. So, you know, whatever fights are going to get me closer to that, those are the only fights I'm taking. So, um, you know what? I, I, I always had the vision. You know, but now I have that cast iron belief that I'm really going to be a champion. You know what I mean? So it's uh, it's just all about putting my best foot forward. As you should. But when you think about the fighters that you're talking about, we're talking about a few names. We got Colby Covington. We got uh, Usman. And, of course, everybody wants a piece of Conor McGregor, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll be ranked ahead of him, though. I think he I – don't, I don't see him being ranked too high welterweight i wouldn't think he would be um but yeah like you said i'm gonna be in some prestigious company and yeah, uh, you will be but if you be... go ahead go ahead i was gonna say but if, if you get that call from conor mcgregor or so as he puts it for your red panty night you know you grab it <laughs> oh dude yeah that's the money fight you know what i mean it, there's i don't think there's a single soul on earth fighter or not that would turn down a fight with conor mcgregor i mean it's like 
I think they should do Stephen A. Smith versus Conor McGregor after everything that uh, Stephen <laughs> said about. <laughs> All Conor right, well, here- I think we, I think we should get Stephen Stephen A. Smith his red panty night against Conor and uh, let him learn a hard lesson that a basketball analyst should not be disrespecting fighters. That freaking guy. Uh, yes, I do agree. Uh, maybe Rogan <laughs> fueled the fire a little bit, but now uh, yeah. what is it? Let's, I was going to talk about this later in the show while we're on it. You know, TJ, I know you're familiar with what Rogan said about Stephen, Stephen A. Smith, you know, the ESPN right. uh, commentator, analyst. Uh, and then in turn, Stephen comes back with his own video after Rogan, which was quite entertaining to watch. And now I don't know if this schmooze, did you guys see this thing where Stephen Smith made a comment that my right hand connects with Rogan, he'll get KO'd? Did you see this one yeah. that came out yesterday? Is I, that dude, a, I did, I saw that, and I'm like, Joe Rogan would wheel kick you right in the head. You wouldn't even know what to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, you know, I got to tell Stephen, don't, don't bite off more than you can chew, my friend. Let's just get past this. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Hey, listen, Steve, we're not out trying to beat you at pickup games of basketball. I think it's of your best interest to just stick to your career field, buddy. <laughs> Which he does a great job at, you know, in respect to what he does. But um, anyway, the words have been exchanged. We all know what the words are about. Let's just see how it floats out. Again, more entertainment in our MMA UFC world, right? Yeah. That's all I look yeah, at it at. Just make just makes it more interesting. Exactly. Exactly. So how long gonna be over in Abu Dhabi? Be in Abu Dhabi till Friday, and then me and the girlfriend are gonna head to Dubai for like two nights and then Very finally head back home to Washington on uh, the third. So and then Very. yeah. Then are you, you know, are you now- guests of any are you guests of anybody that brought you over or are you planning all this on your own and your own, your own, uh, ticket? We're kind of planning this on our own. We're kind of winging it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. we're just kind of doing the tourist stuff here in Abu Dhabi, but once we get to Dubai, we're going to do like, you know, we're going to go to the, the, the Burj Khalifa. We're going to go do the, I want to go, I want to go snowboarding really bad. And since they don't have mountains over here, I'm gonna go sandboarding. So I got to do it. You know, I got, I got to, you know, when, when you got lemons, make lemonade or something like that. So, yeah. So they don't have snowy mountains. So I'm just going to go ride down a sandy mountain on a piece of wood. So we'll oh, see, that'd what be awesome. see what happens. You know, Michael, yeah. if I was, if I was there, I would do that with you. I would love to it'd do that. It'd be fun. Yeah. It'd be fun. I mean, that's because I, you know, I'm a surfer. So I, and on sand, it's a whole nother story, but it'd be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Listen, just remember for that amazing quote, amazing girlfriend, there are yeah. amazing golden diamonds over there. Just let, just saying. Just saying. <laughs> I'll have to do a little shopping. I'll send her off to the, I'll send her off to the fashion stores and maybe I'll go do a little diamond hunt. All right. Well, make sure when that credit card bill comes in after this trip, you don't choke. Okay. <laughs> I'll try <laughs> <Just> not to. <laughs> just enjoy it. I'm sure she deserves everything you do for. Um, is there anything you want to share with the audience as far as um, you know, your your Twitter and all? Because listen, you're a popular fighter, Michael. We have a lot of listeners all around the world. So give us your Twitter and your Instagram and, and anything special you want to say on the show or to promote or whatever. Just just go for it. Yeah. Um, on all my social media platforms, you can find me at MikeMav22. Um, and just in terms of that, I just want to thank my people, man. I want to thank my mom. I want to thank my girlfriend. I want to thank my manager, Danny Rube. Um, you know, all my sponsors that, that support me on it, Engage. Nike wrestling, um, you know, the list goes on and on. All my teammates, all my training partners, and uh, the big man upstairs. Rest in peace to my amazing father, Mark Augustine Chiesa. Missed every day. <laughs> Love it. I'm with you all the way. And Danny Rube, great guy. Danny Rube, great Danny guy. Rube, be great guy. <laughs> yep, I like Danny. Please give him my best. Tell him I said hi. Um, and just have a great time, Michael. Just enjoy, celebrate, live life, and that's what you're doing, man. And when you're back in the octagon, 
It's time, baby. Let's get it done. Let's I, have some fun. Hey, I think you might get it in this time next time. I, I think it might be main event time for Michael Chiesa. Well, yeah, you know what I'd like you to... I ain't going to say no to that. <laughs> Michael, what I'd like you to do before you... When your next fight comes up, when you're in training, contact me and let me send you an audio or a video of something you can play when you walk into the, the gym to hype you and your training partners up. Oh, dude. I'm all about yeah. it. I yeah, I'll it. do... I, I will do that for you. Audio, video, whatever you want, my friend. I'm in your corner. No problem. Yes, sir. Thank you, Bruce. All right, listen. Go have a great time. Go have a wonderful time. Enjoy the desert. Enjoy the lifestyle. Enjoy the food. There's some great food over there, bro. Will do, buddy. Okay. Cheers. Big cheers, my friend. Easy, guys. Thanks, Mike. Right. Bruce, you, TJ. Yep. Take care. Bye, bye. There he is, Michael Chiesa. I'm serious, Bruce. I think uh, a main event may be on the horizon before the end of the year for him. I don't see why not because. He's he's very charismatic. Okay, oh, yeah. that's all great. He's got all that, but his fighting technique, sure, he's had 21 matches, 17 wins and four losses. The wins have been all by submission and six by decision, 11 by submission. He's not had a knockout yet. It's not to say that he won't, but he is an, a well-rounded mixed martial artist. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, no. I mean, he charisma aside, uh, he's top five in the world and absolutely without uh, question. he'd be a fantastic, uh, fight for, I mean, really almost anybody in that welterweight division. Um, you know, I don't know if Colby Covington has a fight, uh, coming up. I mean, that, that'd be an interesting fight. Um, you know, the, the winner of, uh, you know, maybe Leon Edwards and Tyron Woodley, like th there's a lot of fights that make sense that I'm, I'm really sort of excited about in this welterweight division. And, uh, Michael Chiesa would be you know, a fine name on a UFC on ESPN Plus type of uh, main event. Absolutely, and I predict it's going to happen too. I mean, he showed his skills, and, and the public is recognizing The fans recognize it. We recognize it, and I'm sure the top brass at UFC recognize it. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, can, the can, lightweight division is so deep. The welterweight division is so deep. Right. Michael's been in both. I'm so happy to see him in the welterweight division oh because God, how long so and big, tall Bruce. he is. Yeah. How, how did so this big. man make 155? Like, it, it just blew me away. Like, he dwarfed Dos Andres, who's, you know, not a small welterweight in his own right. I mean, a little bit different you know, body type, but, but Kiesa was this hulking figure. Hulking figure. I'm glad he's there. His skill factor is tremendous. Big fan. He's going to do nothing but get even more uh, proper English here. He's going to do nothing, but he even get, just get better with yeah. each fight, you yeah. know, and he's going to get that knockout. I predict a main event and I predict his first knockout this year. How's yeah. It? And also too, even if he doesn't get the knockout, his submission game is is oh, such on sick. yeah so sick. so on point and yeah. uh yeah no the the fact that he is a, a proven commodity already at at 170 pounds uh you know onward and upward he's a fantastic fighter and it's uh, it's great to see him have success yep have success and a great personality to deal with that success and uh, we'll watch and look forward to seeing that success grow yes great job we, michael great having you on the show we got to probably uh take a quick break and we can come back and uh, maybe dip into the world of uh current events i don't want to they're not all uh that great and happy but uh we have some things we probably need to touch on we have to touch on and there's only a couple happy ones most of the stuff we it's been a rough week folks we'll yep. be right back on it's time radio it's time for me to record for all the podcast listeners around the world a personalized championship audio or video introduction. Special offers now are available at BruceBuffer.com, plus more personalized audios and videos for all special occasions such as weddings, birthdays, baby births, podcast intros, special business and corporate events, and much more as your wish 
is my command. Check it out. Let me do them for you. Go to BruceBuffer.com and send in your requests now. And we're back. It's time to talk the news from the week that was. Without any fanfare, without going into anything, my sincere condolences, my my sincere wishes go out to the family and loved ones, everybody that was involved uh, in that horrific helicopter crash, which took the life of the great Kobe Bryant, the great basketball player, NFL, NBA star, excuse me. Um, words can't describe the feeling uh, that overcame me when I you know, saw that this had happened. It's, it's just horrific. Now there's talk you know, about the way the pilot was handling the helicopter. I pray it wasn't pilot era, but... You know, they were flying in the fog. There's criticism about the speed and, and trying to fly out of the frog. We'll see how that pans out. The bottom line is, is nine people tragically lost their lives. Kobe, his 13-year-old daughter, um, the other people that were in the crash. Let me just read the names in all due fairness to give sincere condolences uh, to the eight passengers. Kobe and his daughter Gianna, John Altabelli, Carrie Altabelli, their daughter Alyssa Altabelli, Sarah Chester, Peyton Chester, and Christian Mauser, and the pilot perished. Uh, words can't describe anything. Um, relating to this, my words can't describe it. The, the facts speak for themselves. But it was a tragic loss of a number of people. And uh, that's all I can say, TJ. I really don't know what else to say. It, it yeah. was a shocker. No, I, uh, I, 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 I follow a Twitter account that basically... Uh, gives me updates about things like this around the uh, Los Angeles area. And I had heard that there was a helicopter crash earlier in the morning. And then probably about two or three hours later, um, it came out that uh, Kobe Bryant and his uh, daughter were involved. And it's one of those moments where it's just like, am I dreaming? Is this a weird dream? Like surreal. Yeah. It just, it doesn't, it, it, you can never be prepared for something like that. And I mean, I didn't know Kobe Bryant. I, I never met the man. I, you know, I know what he did uh, on the court. I know that, you know, for a lot of people, he was a uh, inspiration for their own lives. And, um, you know, I, I still felt like it was, you know, a, a loss because he was just so prominent in this area and, uh, you know, such a, a mainstay of, of modern sports and yeah, just uh, horrible, tragic news. You know, I agree, of course. And one of the thoughts that went through my mind, I was talking to Michael about this yesterday. Uh, you know, when a helicopter, when it crashes, it goes in a circle down, usually. Uh, you can't parachute out of a helicopter for obvious reasons. You'd be torn to bits by the rotors, <clears throat> given the wrong situation. But there's a period of time where you're going down before you hit when obviously I would assume that the deaths occur because it just went to a complete fireball. I just can't even imagine with those last couple no. minutes and, of life in that helicopter as he's looking at his beautiful daughter, as everybody's looking at each other, realizing the potential or what was about to happen. Right. It's just a very painful thought to even think about. No, I mean, that's, that's what is, I mean, is it's in tragic moments like that. You just hope that they, you know, passed on as smoothly Quickly as, possible. as possible, you know, it is, it's terrible. I mean, that's what, uh, that's what worries me so much about air travel. I mean, I'm pretty numb to it at this point, but uh, you, you get on the plane and, and you know if, if you run into anything, just being on the plane around the people that you go through that with, or in the, this case, the helicopter, I just, 
I, I don't know. I that's more nerve wracking than anything to think about having to go through the final moments and and preparing yourself for for what is the inevitable. You know, and the other thing, of course, and the other thing about this too is that this is a helicopter that Kobe owned. He right. bought this helicopter to help him get places better and faster for his workouts and to be with his family. As, as a quote he made <clears throat> a while back about it. Uh, so this is a helicopter maintained by himself as pilot the whole bit. You know, I've flown helicopters a number of times. I've actually flown a helicopter when I was handed the stick. I really? didn't feel real good about it. Ooh, oh yeah, well, that's terrifying. I mean, it was a lit. Yeah, it was. Li- Henry was with me. He was about six or seven years old and my buddy uh took us up in his helicopter and we flew over malibu and did all the stuff i'm sure it's beautiful and gorgeous and awesome i just yeah it's too nerve-wracking for me though bruce like helicopters i mean it kind of defies logic that human beings can get into you know uh metal tubes and and go all over the world at supersonic speeds but the the helicopter itself i mean just think about what a helicopter is look at it like it seems like this crazy invention that shouldn't work. And I mean, you, it, we live in Southern California. We see these things literally every day. Um, but it, it's, I, I don't, I don't think I could do it. I don't think, I mean, I, I, I mentioned, I don't really like flying to begin with. Um, I'm used to it now because it's more of a routine and a process, but, uh, it, it would, it would take, uh, a few drinks, I think, and I don't drink, but it would take a few drinks for me to get into a helicopter. Well, maybe now, but, uh, with what happened, you know, there's of course been helicopter, helicopter I mean, crashes not, before. It has nothing past. to do with this. Like helicopters just make me nervous. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you know, when it's our time, it's our time as they say, but the bottom line relating back to this very tragic, horrific story, may everyone who perished, uh, please rest in peace. And, uh, Kobe Bryant, number 24, rest in peace. Yeah. And uh, condolences. We have to, we to, have to go on, but we're yeah. not, People will go on, but people will not be forgotten. Right. Condolences to those that, uh, you know, were left behind after the passing as well. I, uh, uh, I believe uh, there was a, a pair of uh, girls that were left, uh, you know, without parents now. Their parents perished in this crash. Three. Yeah. Three it, girls. Three girls. I just, oh, Bruce. I, I can't even imagine what the no. mother and the three girls are going through. It's just, it pains me to even think about it. No, no, no. I, I, that's Kobe's family. Um, th- there's, I, I believe, a set of sisters whose mother oh, yes, and father yes, were on the yes. plane or on the on the helicopter yeah i just i don't know i just yeah hopefully um you know they they get through this terrible time again words can't describe uh one last time again my sincere condolences best wishes everything sent out to the families and loved ones of the people who perished and may they rest in peace and not to be insensitive but we do have to move on to some other stories the next the next story is not one that's going to be a happy story either we're dealing with a situation where nearly 200 2000 people in china are now infected with the co- uh, coronavirus is that how i said coronavirus yeah coronavirus, coronavirus yep 50, 56 people have, are dead china has put wuhan a city of 11 million people on virtual lockdown um you know the federal disease agency control the federal disease control agency said that it was evaluating 110 people for the new coronavirus here in the US uh, other people say there's no evidence of sustained novel coronavirus transmission in the US like there is in China and uh, the centers of disease control and prevention are actually not recommending Americans wear masks in public and there's some controversy on the mask too even though there's been a run on surgical masks in the US because of the of the coronavirus scare 
Physicians say you do not need them. And also it's been proven they're not 100% effective, but that's a personal choice. The question I have thinking about this, and I hope it doesn't get any worse, but that remains to be seen, is there are there's a brand new training center in China, in Shanghai, mm-hmm. 90,000 plus square feet, three times larger than the UFC center in Vegas. Um, there is, from my understanding, as many as six contender series shows that are planned for China, if I'm not mistaken, during this year. So a question for you, TJ. You put yourself in my position. You're going over to China. You're going to have to do a UFC. You going? Yeah. Yeah. It's your job. Why not? And, and also, too, Chris, it's my job. I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you're a healthy individual. Um, not saying that someone that isn't healthy can't contract a, an illness like this, but uh, you also can't live in fear. And if you had a compromised immune system, um, you know, where the common cold could give you pneumonia and, and you would have some issues there, then I would say, yeah, you probably shouldn't go. But, I mean, yeah, you go, you go to work. When, when it's time, it's time. Exactly. Not to quote a pun, but, uh, you know, on Saturday, uh, Canada declared they had their first presumptive confirmed case. We have supposedly a third case in Orange County here of the virus, and it's from a traveler from Wuhan. Who was in isolation and who is in isolation in good condition? So if they've locked it down to Wuhan, and the virus believed to originated there last year in a seafood market, this it was it was originated supposedly late last year in a seafood market in the central Chinese city of Wuhan, that was illegally selling wildlife, and that's what spread it to cities including Beijing and Shanghai. Hong Kong now has six confirmed cases. Yeah. So let's hope they get this all under wraps. And I'm with you. If I get, if I'm told I got to go, I got to go. That's my job. That's what I do. I'll take the precautions that are necessary. Yeah. And I mean, you know, these things happen, you know, somewhat frequently. It's, uh, you know, it's been bird flu. It's been, you know, H1N1, swine flu. Um, you know, luckily for the most part, we've been able to deal with these, contain them. And, um, you know, unfortunately some people are, are, are sick and, and, you know, don't even make it through the other side, but the bottom line is, uh, you know, precautions are being taken and you, you can't let, you know, fear uh, get in the way of, of how you function normally. Exactly. So onward to one more story, a little uh, bit of a downer story, but it's just I want to I want to talk about the story because as much as you and I are pro gun, you know, possessing weapons for personal protection, um, the right and ability to own and bear arms. What was that? I didn't say anything. Oh, OK, I'm sorry. Um, but I want to point out the fact that whether you own guns, when you do own a gun, it's all about safety, especially if you have children in the house. And this is a horrific incident that took place. Um, a four-year-old Indiana boy who is play wrestling with his dad. His dad's play wrestling with him. But his dad had a gun in, in his back area concealed. While the 36-year-old father's play wrestling in Bloomington, Indiana, this happened last week, the gun slipped from his back and went off. When it went off, it shot both of them in the head. Oh, my God. The, the father is expected to recover, and I'm tragically and sorry to say that the four-year-old has passed away. Uh, I mean, the child has passed th- away. Th- it's th- horrible. This doesn't even really have anything to do with with regulation. This is just about no safety. You know, yeah, re- being responsible. And I mean, uh, obviously, this man has has lost his son, and you know, is, is maybe still battling for his own life. But you know, this is something that is going to haunt him for the rest of his life. And that, I mean, that is going to be so difficult to continue, uh, moving forward. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of questions, you know, why was there around in the chamber, things like that. But, uh, I don't know. I, I, it just comes down to, you know, being responsible. And if you are someone who legally, uh, carries a, a firearm, I mean, 
you have to make sure that things like this don't happen. Absolutely. Safety first, everybody. According to the National Safety Council, these are the, these are the statistics. Accidental preventable gun, death, preventable gun deaths make up 1% of overall gun-related deaths in the U.S., 1%. But there were reported 486 accidental or preventable gun deaths in the U.S., um, in 2017, that's a statistic um, from 2017. Every, so, every gun death is preventable. It is. It is, you know, be aware enough said moving on. Um, in the cannabis industry, you know, there's a huge retailer named MedMen, mm-hmm. right? And we know that, you know, people are flourishing, making lots of money, all this kind of stuff. Uh, the cannabis dispensary Medmen Enterprises, you know, they have aspirations to be the biggest. They're publicly traded on the stock market. They're considered one of the biggest premium players in the in this industry as it grows. They got locations at Beverly Hills, Manhattan's Fifth Avenue. Uh, there's one in Venice. There's one near my house. They're all over the place. Billboards, everything. So, <clears throat> what the reporting is is that they're not paying their bills, TJ. Hmm. They're saying many different companies and investors are jockeying, you know. They're basically going after MedMen because MedMen is is behind on some of their bill payments, right? And they've fallen in hard times. They're working with a business advisory to settle its debts, and they're including offering stock as some of the payments to their the people they owe money to. So wow, they they if you pass by their stores, if you're into the cannabis and all, it's, mm. they're amazing stores. I mean, they're beautiful stores. So I don't know if there's an insight into maybe something going on in the cannabis industry. Maybe there's too much competition. Um, who knows? But Remains to be seen, but I've always told you, TJ, here's one thing. I've owned multiple businesses, multiple businesses, right? Mm. I have never owned a retail store. For some reason, I just am not into a retail store. Well, especially in 2020, I mean, brick and mortar stores, incredibly hard to uh, keep open. I I mean, I don't care what you're selling. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's with, I mean, everything's available with a couple clicks of a, you know, telephone app or, you know, getting online and, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of overhead with the brick and mortar store that just doesn't exist in in other places. Agreed, agreed. So we'll see how that pans out. Um, but again, anybody that's into the cannabis, check out MedMen. Their store is pretty amazing. Now, Atari is opening up its own hotels. Atari, the video game company. Th- they're okay? still they, in business. <laughs> they're still in business. Um, they made my last ready to rumble game. I wasn't very happy the way they made it, you know, but I've talked about that before on the show, right. um, with the two incredible ready rumble games come out before visually it was incredible, but we had it on the Wii system and they didn't right. make the hand control that we just didn't work with it. But anyway, right. that's another story. So Atari is best known for the seventies video games and also buddy problems it's had in the past, but now the brand is opening its own chain of branded hotels. The first one's going to be in Phoenix, Arizona. That's brilliant. It starts construction in the fall. Um, it'll take two years to build. The hotels will have spaces for, and this is thinking ahead, this is thinking the future. The hotels will feature spaces for virtual reality, augmented reality, studios for streaming games and venues to throw esports events, and we all know how big that's getting. Some of the rooms will have retro style, others will be inspired like by the movie Ready uh, Player One. Um, So this is actually thinking ahead. They're thinking ahead of their guns. They're planning hotels for Las Vegas, Denver, Chicago, Austin, Seattle, San Francisco, and San Jose. It's smart. Right. It's smart. Very, very smart. Smart move. And I think some other big companies that based on their success may follow because this is esports is just growing right. as we know the video well, game industry is so large. Not only that, but you know, to, to have a hotel and, and, you know, you, you mentioned like Las Vegas, um, you know, th- that that's a city and sort of a whole different beast in its own right. But if you're going to have a hotel, 
you need it to be something special. And, and it sounds like this is uh, almost more of an experience than a place, you know, for lodging. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, I'm interested. Yeah, me too. I mean, I don't know how my boys are going to be in a couple of years from now. I mean, Henry loving video games the way he does. I think he's going to continue to, but you know, I can see where, where kids would love to stay with that. And, and, you know, as a parent, I don't even think um, it's UB, kids, Bruce. I think this is the, the, like the esports. It's not really young kids in, in the way that video no, games have no. been in the past. It's, it's much different. I think, uh, the, in my opinion, the target audience is, is on the older side rather than the teenage side. Well, if they're going to charge the kind of money they're going to charge to have these rooms, obviously the older side is going to be the one paying for it. And you're right. I mean, we read about footballers and professional athletes, right. even other people getting into esports. Rick Fox, you know, who um, trains with my trainer, and we've met and talking about working together and some stuff. And, you know, this is a retired NBA player who's in the esports industry. So, yes, it is a wide demographic. Let's hope they're not using $1 bills. You know why? Hmm. Getting back to China, U United States Customs and Border Protection, the CPB, yep. they seized $900,000 in counterfeit U.S. currency that came in from a rail commercial rail shipment from China. Okay? They, there were 45 cartons packed up with counterfeit $1 bills, and it was in the International Falls Port of Entry in your home state, Minnesota. Uh, yeah. Right? So the, the law enforcement organization, they're trying to stop the flow of illicit goods, yeah. which is a very heavy you know, priority for them. So thanks to the dedication of everybody there and with the secret service, um, they were able to stop $900,000 with a $1 bills going into circulation. That, that, and you thought this only happened in the movies. It happens in well, real life. It, it's, it's crazy to me, Bruce, that if you're going to go ahead and counterfeit something that you would do a $1 bill, like, I don't know. They don't it check $1 bills. They don't check. They check hundreds and they check twenties. I can see I ones mean, and fives and tens I, falling through. I, I don't see them check a $20 bill hardly ever. Uh, no, but hundreds they do. Fifties. Yeah. They do. 50. I mean, I hate to say it. I'm not trying to give people advice, but I mean, yeah, I probably, I mean, $1 bills, like, I don't know. seems short sighted and, uh, uh, you're going to get in a lot. Of, I wonder if that's something that's punished by, uh, like if you are caught counterfeiting, is it how much money, you know, total that you're trying to counterfeit or if it's sort of the same, uh, punishment, because if, if it's the same punishment, uh, you might want to go with twenties. My guess is the same punishment because you got to stop it. It can't happen. Period. Just can't happen. No, I hear you. Uh, mo moving on here. Um, Super Bowl. Is coming up next, you know, not this weekend, but next weekend. We're going to talk about it next week on the show. Talk no, about I football think it's, a, I week. it's this weekend, Buff. Is this, oh, sh shoot. It is this weekend. Yeah. yeah, it's this weekend. <laughs> okay. No, let's talk about it now. We've got the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Boy, a little jet dust on my brain there. We've got, I saw, I still have to made my, uh, my bet yet. Um, so the big game, the networks love it. Everybody loves it because you got two popular teams, Mahomes with Kansas City Chiefs. And you've got the San Francisco 49ers coming in. It's going to be what I think a heck of a game with the Chiefs favored by one. I am picking. It's very. This is not an easy pick, folks. Defense wins Super Bowls. San Francisco's got an amazing defense. But it's very hard for me to bet against Patrick Mahomes. So I'm going to be probably going with the Kansas City Chiefs. I am not emotionally driven to either team as I am to my Philadelphia Eagles. I'm just going to do an analysis on the game. But here's the thing I want to talk about. Every time there's a Super Bowl, Certain parties fly into the locations where the Super Bowls are. And I'm talking parties that, like, pickpockets walking the streets. Right. Big pickpockets will be flying into Miami. 
to work those things. If you ever saw the Will Smith movie, there's a lot of reality to that when they worked the Super Bowl in New Orleans, um, it, that movie that came out a couple years ago, if you saw it. Uh, sorry, I don't know the name. But here's the big thing. Strippers, of course, exotic dancers, strippers, are flocking to Miami in droves, droves. But it's not just women, TJ. There's a ton of men strippers going in, and they're all going in to get that big cash. I'm talking a lot of them. It's amazing. It's almost like Vegas. I mean, they do the same thing in Vegas. So that's going to be a party for it all down in Miami. Think about it. Miami, the Super Bowl, South Beach, all the things to do down there. It is going to be party, hearty city this weekend. Yeah, sure. yeah. It's uh, it's going to be a place for the uh, teams to uh, play hard and then also uh, play hard. And speaking of playing hard, not to coin a pun, but you're going to have a lot of, uh, you know, Women of ill repute <laughs> flying into Miami also, you know, prostitution. I'm sure they're flying yeah. in like crazy, too, to to make as much money as they can. I remember we talked about that um, the last time uh, we had the Summer Olympics. Uh, I believe they were in Rio. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there were a lot of articles and stories about uh, people, like, literally learning Portuguese so they can go there and, and, and work. And, yeah, I mean... It, Not just learning Portuguese, TJ. They were. There was. There was the article also that we talked about was that they were actively in the open teaching the Rio prostitutes, the Brazilian prostitutes, to speak better English. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, whether it's illicit or not, you know, it's still a market. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. the market moves people to where the money's at. Exactly. Speaking of where the money's at, you know, LSU won. Uh, the championship, right? The collegiate championship. Yeah, this the year. Uh, the uh, football championship. Yep. Yeah, the fo- the football championship. They're forty. They're forty two to twenty five win over Clemson in the college football playoff championship game. Well, the the coach for LSU, Ed Ogeron. Now, this gives you an idea how much money is in college sports. TJ, they just gave him a raise, a six year deal. How much do you think that six years is worth to him? Um, thirteen million. $42 million, $7 million a year for six years. Wow. Um, $42 million, all because I, he won the championship. There's a lot of money in this game, bro. I do the, know. He, he was making $3.5 million. Right. right. He was bumped to four, and he was tied for the 20th highest coach in football. Now he's one of the highest paid coaches in the NCAA. Yes, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Um, I mean, more often than not, the highest paid uh, state official in any state is – the university's football uh, coach, and uh, that's probably the case now uh, if it wasn't before uh, in Louisiana. But, I mean, I don't know. I I personally don't feel like um, college football players uh, shouldn't be paid. I think they should be paid. Um, You can argue that, oh, they're getting a scholarship and all of that, you know. Didn't they just pass something recently that they can get some kind of payments or something? I don't know what. It is per se. Um, it's definitely not what it should be, in my opinion. But here's my big problem when it comes to scholarships for athletes, Bruce. If I get a scholarship to, say, LSU, and I get hurt midway through my freshman year, can't play that year, and then find out that I can't play ever again, I don't get a four-year degree. As a matter of fact, I may have my scholarship pulled before the end of the football season or the end of the year. And that sucks. I wish the commitment by a university was, hey, I'm going to give you a scholarship. You have four years to get your education without having to pay for it. Yeah, I can't argue that point. I'm with you. 
Um, but there was something recently, I'm sorry, I don't have it accessible to me right now that there are some way that can be remunerated in some way, shape or form beyond the way it's been in the past. Speaking of remunerations, going to do a little collectibles talk before we sign off on the show. Now, before I do that, I watched the Oscar nominated film parasite. I've heard nothing but good things. Oh my Lord. <laughs> I don't want to give anything away. Okay. I'm just going to say three letters. W O W. Wow. Watch hey. this movie. If you're. Check it out. Real quick, going back to the NCAA, um, there was an article that was uh, published uh, back in October, and it uh, just you know, skimming it, the headline is uh, NCAA plans to allow college athletes to get paid for use of their names uh, in that's images. It. And uh, that's it. yeah, I mean, the, the, the fact that you can't get an endorsement deal because you're a student athlete is, is ridiculous. Like, they can't stop you from getting a job. So why can't your job be marketing yourself? Exactly. And also, too, when people like EA, the great video game company, make their collegiate football game video game and you're in it, just like me, you deserve to get paid. Right. Just like and, me for being in UFC games or anybody. You deserve yeah. to get paid. And, to whatever level, that's up to you to well, negotiate, but you deserve to get paid. Well, they don't they don't make those games anymore because that was the issue. They were uh, using the likenesses of some of the players, not necessarily their names, uh, but, you know, if the quarterback for – you know, UCLA was number 12, uh, the quarterback would be number 12. And that's the thing about football is uh, you, you very rarely see the, the athletes without their helmets on. So there's uh, a bit of anonymity there. And mm -hmm. if if the quarterback in the EA Sports video game for UCLA is literally based on me because he has my number and he has my sort of, uh, you know, assigned skills, uh, that doesn't sit well with me, Bruce. The, that, that young man should be paid. I agree fully. Absolutely. Um, so let's just hope for the best. I mean, why not? I'm there's no reason. I, you know me. I was out there trying to make money at 18 while I was going to college. Why can't they? Right. Simple as that. 100%. All right. Here's a story in the collectible section. Now, a man bought a Rolex. He brought a Rolex watch he did to an Antiques Roadshow uh, show. Uh -huh. Okay. And Brian turned me on to this. He watched it. And the guy looks like the epitome of a hippie, or like you used to describe your dad, with the long hair, the bandana, the whole bit. He goes into the road show. He bought a Rolex watch he purchased in 1974 for $345.97, right? What, is, is, so, that, is that what the, a Rolex would, would have costed back then? Is that Did he get a deal? Like, No, no. He, it, you can very well envision that in 74, you could have got a Rolex for that price. Okay. And he bought it because it was brand new. And he's kept it in the box. It was unworn. It was a Rolex Oyster Cosmograph. Okay. And so the, the PBS series had him on. He went in to get it evaluated. He's standing there. And they told him that his watch was now worth $400,000 at auction. When he heard that, he fell to the ground, right? Wow. Then when the segment was over, because it was unworn and in the original stuff that he had it in, they now value the Rolex at between five hundred dollars and $700,000. Good for him. Good for yeah. him. Yeah. So uh, I have some Rolex uh, stats here. Um, basically, like retail price in the year that it came out. Um, so what year was this? 1974. 1974. So, granted, it's not the same model, but an 18-carat Rolex Submariner uh, in 1973 uh, was $2,000, which uh, price with inflation would be $10,967. So uh, I I'm going to say that this gentleman did quite well for himself. Well, 
two things. First off, that's an 18 karat gold watch, which means it would be higher. Second off, there's hardly any Rolex available now, brand new for $10,000. That gold Rolex you're talking about, if uh, what was the model again, please? Uh, the Submariner. Yeah, the Submariner. The Submariner solid gold. I used oh, to own yeah, it with a blue face. Yeah, there you go. I bought, I bought a, a certified used one for uh, $12,500. I sold it to a buyer because I wore it in the octagon that was after me for the watch. And I sold it for around 16,000 because I wore it in the octagon. Right now I'm kicking myself left and right because that watch now is 30 to $40,000. So the watch yeah. you're talking about is not 10. That watch is over $30,000. That's, brand new. that's absolutely crazy. I'm, I'm looking at, uh, the Submariner, uh, from 2008 in that retail for 27, five, 2008, There you go. Yep. Yep. There you go. Crazy stuff. No, Rolexes, I, you know, I love Rolexes. Don't hold on to them. They, they all go up in price. I, I have one that is the green bezel, which is the first anniversary edition of the Submariner. I bought it like about 10 years ago for $4,200. They're selling right now for 16000 Crazy, wow. huh? I mean, especially because when you think about it, uh, they're absolutely worthless. My phone tells but, me what time it is. <laughs> they're beautiful. I love watches. You know, I'm a watch freak. So it's uh, all I mean, good. yeah, they're an article of clothing at this point for sure. Sure. No, that's actually the one I just told you about. It's the one that I wore in the octagon Saturday night. Okay. With that being said, TJ, tell the, tell the world what you want the world to know. It's time to go. Uh, oh, we're already to that point. Uh, follow me on Twitter at TJ DeSantis. I uh, would appreciate people checking out some of my uh, between rounds radio content. It covers mixed martial arts. I'm uh, doing a new show, Bruce, that maybe you would even like. Uh, covers old school stories. It's called MMA Stories. It's hosted by Jeremy Horn and Monty Cox, and it's a uh, oh. pretty neat little podcast. And uh, yeah, it's awesome. A lot, lot of things that people don't know. What a small world! Because you know, Jeremy, I've known Jeremy for years, announcing his first fight ever in the octagon when he choked out uh, Chuck Waddell. Remember that? Yep, of course. And Chuck fell asleep. Um, and Monty Cox just called me last night to interview me for the new book that he's writing about our experiences in Kuwait and uh, some other things. It's funny. What a coincidence. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's crushing it. I've read some of his book. It's it's I mean, he, he's still in the very early stages uh, of it. But, uh, yeah, uh, the stories from these guys in the podcast really priceless. Uh, anyone can check it out if they'd like. Uh, just search between rounds radio anywhere you get your podcast or you can get the ad free version at uh, patreon.com forward slash between rounds. Very cool. I will check it out, TJ. Most definitely. Cool. All right, TJ, listen, uh, great week, everybody. Enjoy your Super Bowl this weekend. Enjoy your food, your drink, your family, your friends. Have a great time. I plan on doing the same myself. Again, I'm leaning towards the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll talk about the game next week on the air. And I'm just looking forward to a great game. A really great game. And thank you, everybody, again. The audios, the video orders coming to me through BruceBuffer.com for your championship introductions. And a huge amount of orders for business events, corporate events, podcasts are flying in, too. Um, we're very excited to do them all for you. Keep them flowing. And, again, those thank you letters, keep them coming in because Kristen and I just love reading every single one of them. And we're there to service you for the needs when you're ready for us to do so. With that being said, everybody, have a great week. Enjoy your week. Set your goals. Write them down. Learn about them. So when you set on that path and you step on that path to be the best you can be, because if you are, then you're winning. And that's what we're all about on It's Time Radio. We talk about winning. We talk about life. And we'll talk about more of that in a week when we come back. So have a great life. Have a great week. Make things happen. Don't wait for them to happen. Make them happen. Buffer out. 
The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.